0: Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad Podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the Fatherhood Authority. Kenneth
1: Braswell, welcome to I Am Dad podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us. We're coming to the end of the year, and um, almost a little over 50 guests throughout the year. Um, coming up to my solo um, close out the year, and then solo open up the year. But it's been a great year. Thank you for all that you've done in this year. You know, we hit the top seven Um, in podcasts around the world, particularly as it relates to responsible fatherhood. So that was a milestone. We also was downloaded more than 10,000 times. That was a milestone for this year. Um, Never thought we would be here, um, but here we are. Never thought I would be moving into a third season, but I'm about to do that as well. And most um, podcast hosts wouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. Um, I saved the best for last for 2023. Um, Let's welcome to the I Am Dad podcast, where we delve into stories and some of the most inspiring and influential figures in the responsible fatherhood world. Today, it is my privilege to be hosting Tracy Braswell, the seasoned chief operating officer known for her groundbreaking work supporting and building Fathers Incorporated in both New York and Atlanta, Georgia. Tracy's journey in the corporate world is nothing short of remarkable. She embarked on her professional path in the financial sector, managing over 350 million in personal assets, improving her expertise across various financial institutions, including Stanley Morgan, Dean Witter, and Merrill Lynch. But in 2008, Tracy took on a pivotal role at Fathers Incorporated. Her strategic vision and innovative approach has been instrumental in transforming the organization. She is not just the brain behind the robust Human Resources Department. There's also, or she is also the creator of um, comprehensive employee benefit plans, and training manuals, and we've set new standards in the industry for the work that we do. Under her leadership, Fathers Incorporated has seen unprecedented growth and impact. The annual Fatherhood Expo and the Daddy Diaper Drive is just a few examples of her commitment to making a tangible difference in the community as well as her work with the National Responsible Fatherhood Clearinghouse. But what truly sets Tracy apart in her unique blend of skills from strategic planning to human resources management and her proudness in contract negotiations, her insights has graced the pages of Black Enterprise Magazine, Urban Voices, and several other prestigious um, publications. She holds a bachelor's degree in communications from the State University at New York in Albany, and is a certified master life coach. Her dedication to excellence and her ability to lead with integrity makes her a true force to be reckoned with in the corporate world. Without, so without further ado, let me introduce to some and just present to others, my wonderful wife, Tracy Braswell. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs>
2: Thank you for that introduction. That was awesome.
1: <laughs> so, Yeah, that's my, you know, that's how I know you. And so I just need to, I mean, that's how I want everybody else to know you. Um, But I know I could have added a whole bunch of other things, which I probably will throughout um, this conversation. But thank you. Um, She is doing two things. One is I'm kind of making a cycle through all of my staff to interview all of them because I want people to know. Um, my folks but at the same time she's helping me test out a new platform that we're going to be using <laughs> next year um, and I said that this was going to be a test but that's not true we actually going to go live with this one so she is actually going to be my last guest of the year Tracy I know you've listened to the podcast and we always start out with our guests and I'm not going to do anything different with you um, and we asked our guests to tell us your daddy's story what's your daddy's story
2: um, I'm probably well, I won't say I'm unique, um, but I will say it's it's definitely a little different because I have several daddy stories. Um, I have my birth father, which unfortunately I really did not get an opportunity to know um from a I, I knew of him, um was with him as a young young girl, like toddler age. I have Little um, rem- memories of him, uh, but he and my mom separated, and so I, ne- I didn't get to grow up with him. I did have a stepfather, um, and then ultimately I had two um, foster fathers.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, the last foster father that I had was the one that that had the uh, greatest impact in my life, uh, really helping me to understand a little bit more about manhood. And what the role of a father is in a family um, and and how a dad treats a daughter. Um, so I guess that's it, it's I'm not going into great detail, but that's kind of like the, the broad overview of my father's story, which is going through several dads and then ultimately having the dad that had the greatest impact in my life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love asking people that story because it really gives us a sense of why people do the work that they do. Also gives us an insight in why people think the way they do about particularly responsible fatherhood and men in general. And So it's always kind of good to kind of know, you know, someone's story as it relates specifically um, to their dads. Whether or not it was a good relationship or a bad relationship, they show up in your life equally, but in very different ways. Given that diverse background with your dad's, right? How much of that has helped you in the work that we're doing today?
2: Yeah. So, you know, the beauty of having multiple fathers in your life is um, really just getting to see how their circumstances and situations impacted how they fathered. And and so I have the ability to kind of see the good with the bad, right? And so I got to see, Uh, examples of fathers that didn't quite make the mark regardless of whatever the reason was for them not being able to be able to parent to the best of their ability I I experienced it Um, and then on the flip side of it I can see what the positive impacts of a good father who knows how to nurture who knows how to pour into a child who's supportive of of a child Um, and that that alone has really allowed me to um, really want to uh, push, you know, fatherhood in our communities because I can see, like, I feel like I am the an example of when fathering goes right, mm-hmm. right? Even though I've had some other influence, you know, I've had other dads but I am the example of like what happens when you have a dad that takes care of you and um, takes care of the family and supports you. Right. Even, even when, you know, so I always remember the fact like I grew up playing basketball and I by no means was a star on the team, but he would come out and watch me. Right. And so it's little stuff like that, that just kind of, makes you know, like in this work that we do, like I want children all over the world to be able to experience that, to have somebody that they know that's gonna support them and it's gonna be there for them. Even when, you know, (laughs) you're not, you know, it's easy for a parent to come out and support a kid that's like the star on the team or excels academically, But it's a different kind of parent that says, I'm going to support you anyway, Mm. and I'm going to encourage you anyway, regardless of, you know, how, where you fall on the scale in relation to other kids that are doing the same type of thing. I hope that made sense.
1: Yeah, it did make sense. It did make sense. Okay. Um, So when you look at it from the perspective of being a parent, because we both parent children together, um, how does what you learn from your dad's feed into what you think about and how you have incorporated what you've learned specifically about men and dads into your own children.
2: Yeah. So, um, again, if I had to look at that silver lining, because I don't think that the experience that I went through was like a a horrible, terrible experience. There were moments that were just not great. Um, but what that allows me to do as a parent, because I've always been that person, like growing up, um, I always felt like God gave me this wisdom that was beyond my years. And so I could kind of look at the adults in my life and see, you know, there's something that's missing. There's something that's broken. There's something that's not right. And Mm -hmm. I I never necessarily, there's some things that I've certainly internalized, um, but there are other aspects that I could literally just kind of, look from the outside in. And so what that allowed me to do was say, you know what, when I grow up, I definitely don't want to do that to my children. Like I want them to have a much, much better upbringing than what I experienced in my earlier years. And so, you know, so the, and and so for me, one of the big things just from a spiritual perspective is breaking generational curses like Mm. that dysfunction that ran in our family with abuse and and alcohol um, usage and drug usage. Um, That's not anything that I ever wanted my children to experience. So I make sure that I'm very diligent to make sure that they don't have those types of experiences. Um, And so I'm just very mindful of like, Hey, I don't want my kids to grow up in chaos. I don't want, I just don't want chaos in my life, uh, particularly mm-hmm. as it pertains to my children. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think a lot of people, you know, for me um, as the CEO, you know, people are often just curious as to, you know, how does the CEO of the leading fatherhood agency parent? Like, what does that look like? Right. <laughs> and so is he is a great a parent as he portrays you know in his role as CEO and so I'm always like you know juxtaposed to that and making sure that you know to my best ability that I'm kind of holding up that banner understanding I saw a quote this morning from Bob Marley when he was asked whether or not um, someone was perfect whether or not his wife was perfect and his response was um, nothing's perfect like the moon has craters, the clear sky gets cloudy, water gets salty and dark in its depths. Why are we looking for perfection? Why aren't we just looking for, um, I forgot the word he used, um, perfect for me, not perfection, Mm -hmm. but perfect Mm -hmm. for me. And that comes with a lot of different things. And so you're trekking along in life and you have a daughter, and that experience did not turn out, I'm sure, in the way that you thought it was going to turn out. How did you translate what was happening in that relationship, knowing that you would have that issue with your child, and how you navigated with her to understand both the presence and absence of her father?
2: so yeah so that relationship did not um it didn't it didn't work out the way that i thought that it would um or that i had hoped that it would um but for me back then my thinking was as long as so i i guess for me you know my mom wasn't able to get out of the situation that she was in she felt trapped um and so as a result she stayed in the relationship that really was not conducive for herself nor her children mm. and i think for me you know like i said i growing up i had already made the decision that that's not going to be me and so when i found myself in a situation or a relationship where i knew that this wasn't, it was toxic for both of us, like for him and me, Um, and certainly would have been for our child. It just wasn't good. We were both young. It just, it just would not have been a good thing for us to try to, to do. Um, And so I had to make the hard decision of this isn't working. And regardless of whether or not I'm going to be a single mom, I have to do what's best for our child. And I made that decision like, Hey, listen, we, we're not going to be able to do this. Um, and I, I would, I think that based on conversations that I've had with him,
0: mm-hmm. that he's,
2: he was okay with that because he knew um, that he couldn't be what I needed him to be in, in those, in that, you know, that time timeframe. Uh, and so we're both okay with, with what happened. I mean, I would have loved for him to have been there a lot more, but that's not how it happened. Uh, and so, so the good thing is, you know, God placed you in my life. And so my daughter, while she did not get to grow up with her dad, she did have an opportunity to have you in her life and not that you took his place, but that you did show her what good fathering looks like and you fulfilled for her what my foster dad did for me, which was you were supportive of her, you encouraged her, you loved on her. Um, And I think that, you know, everything worked out the way that it was supposed to work
1: out. You know, people always ask the question, you know, or so they ask the question and then sometimes they um, will point to this as a fact when um, women don't have men in their lives and don't have you know, healthy fathers in their lives and how that impacts their choosing of the men that they connect with. And so, um, you know, here comes this dude. He was broke as hell, um, had some influence in his life, but didn't have no assets, you know, with him at the time. Uh, (laughs) And I tell people You know, I I know you've heard these stories, I tell these stories about you all the time, but they're just to give some context um, to who you are and and what you were at a time when I didn't know what I was looking for, um, but knew what I found, uh, but still was trying to figure out like what God was trying to have me do. And I always tell the story about how um, the day that I saw you over, I can't remember that restaurant that was over next to um, William Tell, and we were talking about something, and I was like, you know, I really want to ask her out, but all I got in my house is peanut butter and jelly. And we were talking about it, and I said, yeah, I, you know, we can go somewhere, you can come up with, we can have lunch, but all I got is peanut butter and jelly. And he was like, okay. I'm like, for real? Like, okay, like, all right, that I could do. I could make the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, in the world. But I always tell that story Because when I'm talking to, you know, all of my girls, uh, when it comes to dating and when it comes to trying to not replace me with their own husband, right? That you also have the ability or you need the ability to see the purpose and promise in someone. That you're not always going to meet what you need at the moment, but you need to be able to see that you can meet what you want and build to get there. Like, what was it about the men in your life that gave you the ability to be able to see that, specifically in me, but to see that in general?
2: Yeah, so that one, uh, I would definitely attribute um, my, the last father that I had, Louis Dozier, to really exemplifying what it meant to be a dad, right? Like he, he was a man's man. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, there are certain qualities that you have of, of his. Um, and, and those qualities were non-negotiables for me in terms of uh, who I would marry. Right. And so he was responsible. Um, he was very family oriented uh, he was engaging with his children, um and those are just you know, and he was very loving, and those are some qualities that like, regardless of where you were in life, you had to exemplify those qualities. And so some of those qualities I saw because at the time when I met you, and Zingle was I think what about five, and so I did have the opportunity to kind of um see how you interacted with her. Um, I saw how you managed a business. So I knew that you were responsible. So there were certain qualities that you brought to the table that let me know. Um, okay, yeah, this is a good one right here. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then again, now, if I'd look at all of the other dads that I had and, and they didn't, they didn't, the other three didn't have all awful qualities. They just had certain qualities that prevented them from being, um, I think, the best person that they could be. And -hmm. so they had their own internal struggles that had nothing to do with me. It it, It just is what it is, right? But I'll say that even with that, I could take certain qualities from them that also were, they were good qualities, right? They just couldn't execute them all the time, right? And then also, then the other piece of it is, and there are some red flags, some drop down, like absolutely not, mm-hmm. that if I saw those qualities in a person that I was dating, we were good. he was <laughs> like, no, no, you know what? You like hanging out at the club and you like to drink a lot. So that's probably not gonna be my thing. Like we're not going to be able to go any further with this. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just me really looking at, all of the father influences that i have and literally picking out the ones that i said this has to be in place and so when i met you regardless of the fact that all you had to quote unquote offer was peanut butter and jelly i had already seen other qualities in you that let me know okay this is somebody that that could buy for my attention
1: You know, and that's, um, you know, I don't know how to and, you know, we often think about how do we translate those kind of messages, particularly for our young girls, but also for our young boys and really kind of understanding, defining the qualities that they want to see in people as opposed to the other things that they see, which is why I think social media does a disservice to our children because they don't get to see those other qualities. They only get to see the representative of the person that's presenting themselves to them. And that doesn't person doesn't always be truthful. That person is not always truthful in terms yep. of what they're bringing to the table because they have ulterior motives in terms of what they want. And so, and then, you know, we, you know, I have this epiphany, I had it before I met you and I had this idea in starting this program Um, and you spot that all the way through. I'm gonna fast forward through really getting to that work and doing that work in Albany and and starting it and getting it moving, but really wanna get to somewhat of what you've learned since you've been a part of this kind of 20 year journey, trying to serve families and fathers because people are not always clear like whether or not particularly women can work with dads. And I have a staff full of awesome women that I would not replace any of them with another man because they bring the exact necessary qualities to the space that we need to kind of collectively do this work but still allow our fathers to get what they need. In the past 20 years watching Fathers Incorporated, what is the thing that sticks out the most for you?
2: You know, you said something earlier and then um, you kind of shifted gears, but I think I want to go back to that, which is that notion of perfection in parenting. Mm. And so it really, it's, it's in the 20 years that, you know, you and I have been working side by side, we haven't been perfect parents Um, We haven't worked with perfect parents. Um, And so it's really it's not about trying to promote perfection, but it really is about trying to help people become their best selves in terms of parenting. Right. And sometimes uh, we have to go back a little bit further because the parenting style is impacted by something personal that they have not addressed in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so what I think also, what my takeaway is that most people really want to become better. They literally want to become better, uh, but there may be things that just have not been addressed in their lives. They may not have the tools, the resources, the support system. Um, They may not be surrounded by the right community of people. You know, they, they may just not have found their tribe. They may not be spiritually grounded, but there's always something um there there's always a way that a person can become better if they're really truly interested in becoming them their best selves. And I think it's just really important that we continue it as we continue to do this work, that we just remind people like it's not about you being perfect because you're not gonna always say the right things to your children. You're not gonna always uh make every game, you're not gonna always, you know, like everything is, but it's about what you're attempting to do. Right. And so it's also about in terms of parenting, it's about learning lessons. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as a parent, if you can learn the lesson and, and the next time that scenario presents itself, if you can behave differently, if you can respond differently, then again, now you've gone from, I'm trying to be perfect to I'm trying to improve. And every time that I've realized that I haven't um, met the mark, as long as, as a parent, if you can step back and make that, you know, learn that lesson and then embark upon that improvement, um, you're, you're winning. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think over the the, the last 20 years, just like personally, that's what I've seen us be able to do, but I've Mm -hmm. also seen it in the dads that we've been working with and even from the occasions when we've spoken with moms, right? It's really about giving them a different perspective and being like, uh, you know, so I will say that we as women have a tendency to want our baby daddies mm-hmm. to be perfect, right? And, but we don't have that same level of perfection, right? But we, it's so easy for a person to see someone else's imperfection, mm-hmm. right? because I can point the finger at you, but you know, that old saying, this is if I point a finger at you for pointing back at yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like what we do as an organization, which is really not being judgmental with our dads and not no condemnation because people are where they are. We meet them where they are and it's, but it's really about empowering them, you know, along with the education, along with equipping them, so that they can become the better version of themselves. Mm
1: -hmm. Is there one story that stands out for you? One father that's come across your path that like really stands out for you?
2: You know, I can't say that there's one dad in particular. Um, I can't say that there's one dad. I just, you know, I look at the, the whole body of work where we've just worked with with uh, phenomenal fathers. I'll tell you what stands out for me is when a dad comes up to me or he comes up to a staff member and literally gives the testimony about um, you know how great the facilitator was or how great a case manager was or how great the data manager, like who doesn't necessarily have to develop rapport mm-hmm. with the dad, but does, mm-hmm. right? Um, Those are the things that stick out in my mind or even like, you know, I answer the phones and sometimes you just got to let a dad just vent because they're hurting, Mm -hmm. right? And I literally just have to put the phone on speakerphone and I may be multitasking, but I'm letting them get their story out. I'm letting them, you know, share their pain with me. And then unfortunately, you know, I always have to say like, I do apologize I have to you know, have a team member, member get in contact with you because I don't have the answer for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the fact that they'll come up later and say, I was so appreciative of you just letting me talk mm-hmm. because I just hadn't felt heard. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of stories that stick out in my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. What, um, in terms of need, what is the need that you've seen that fathers are coming to us with that most people don't think is a need for our fathers.
2: Yeah, when I when I when I answer the phone, the biggest need that I hear from the dads is I need to be connected to my child. Mm. That's the biggest need, right? And they they may have they may be out of work, they may be homeless, um, they might be strung out. But their thing is, I need to be connected to my child. Like, I just can't fathom living. And, you know, a lot of times society just feels like, you know, because the woman births the child, that they have the stronger connection. But dads have just as a strong of a connection as the moms do. And if they could, if if the world could kind of, so to speak, hear their pain, mm-hmm. they would understand that uh, a lot of dads are suffering just because they don't have a connection with their child. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's the biggest need that I hear is like, I just need to be in the life of my child. There are very few men who are just like, I I don't, you know, I just don't want to be bothered. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of men who give up out of frustration, Um, And then, you know, unfortunately, they're labeled like deadbeat or something to that effect. Uh, But most of the dads, even the ones that are struggling with personal issues, um, you know, they may they may have their own inner turmoil. Uh, Those those dads still want to be connected to their children. So that's the need that I hear when I'm having a dad on the phone pouring his heart out to me when I have a dad on the phone who's screaming his head off. Uh, you know, and it sounds like, you know, he's being highly disrespectful and, but in the back of my mind, I know this is a, a, this is a man that's in pain because Mm -hmm. he's been separated from his child and he doesn't know how else to act. And so the only thing he can do is what he knows, which is I'm the the next person I'm, I speak to, I'm screaming on
0: him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, so I hear, I hear, I need to be connected.
0: Mm.
1: One of the other factors that we deal with all the time, you and I you know, have been in the midst of a co-parenting blended family um, paradigm since day one. And I don't think, I've learned a lot about co-parenting um, prior to you, but I've learned most of what I learned about co-parenting with you after we met. I don't think people take into consideration the difficulty in co-parenting as as good as it can be and as beneficial as it can be uh, for our children. How important is co-parenting and how important is it for women to really understand that just because you're not in a relationship doesn't mean you don't have to have a relationship? That co-parenting is a lifelong relationship and you got to find a way um, to get past the things that hurt you um, emotionally as long as those things weren't abusive um, emotion or abusive physical connections. You know, we don't want, we don't advocate for anyone putting themselves or their children in danger, but less of that, like what should women know about the importance of co-parenting?
2: Yeah, so I, I guess the biggest thing is women need to take into consideration how they're hurting their children. Right. And so what happens is you don't often see it right from the beginning, like when they're babies, obviously a baby's not going to tell you like, I miss my dad, Mm -hmm. right. Or I really want my dad around. Um, but it shows up later on in life. And if more women understood, um, that this, this disconnection from the child and the dad, that it's going to show up later on in life, they probably would rethink it, right? And so if I knew as a mom that my daughter is prone to promiscuity because dad's not there to teach her self-value and self-worth. And um, yeah, listen, moms do single moms do a, a fabulous job raising children. There are still elements that we can't, Pour into our children. We can do the best that we can do, but there's still a role. There's a reason why there's a mother and a father. Mm-hmm. It's because both parties bring different things to the table, mm-hmm. and so it was never ever. Um, children were never meant to be raised solo, mm-hmm. um, and so if if moms could kind of see into the future that you know by not having my son's dad in his life that he was gonna to turn to a life of crime where he was going to get strung out, I think they would reconsider their decision to push dad out of the picture mm-hmm. because the relationship didn't work out, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Kenny, you and I and all of the FI staff know that a dad could be a complete, a man could be a complete jerk mm-hmm. in terms of being in relationship with the woman, mm-hmm. but be like the best dad, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, it takes a, a special skill set, I think, mm-hmm. to be able to recognize, like, hey, this relationship is not going to work out, but you still need to be here for your kid, right? Which is why, so perfect example, when Amber's a teenager, and you know, now we we've got social media platforms, and I find her dad, right, and I say to him, like, listen you got a clean slate with her and you still have time to bond with her. You still have time to develop your relationship with her. And you need to know that I've not tarnished your image in her mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And I, I thought that was really important because she still needed to get to know him. And my thing is you get to decide whether or not you want to be in relationship with him, not me. Right. Right. And so, um, I think that, co-parenting, again, is so critical to the children because as the parents, we don't know the impact that it's gonna have, right? Every once in a while, yeah, you're gonna roll the dice and the kid's gonna turn out great, Uh, but there still is underlying, uh, you know, you don't know kids growing up, they may not uh, verbally say it to the parent, but they may be thinking like, why didn't my dad want me, Mm -hmm. you know? And then that turns into, dysfunctional relationships. Mm -hmm. So we just don't know what that ultimate impact is gonna be on the child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I go back to what I stand on, which is children were really not meant to be raised alone.
1: You know, it's crazy because when I think about, you know, our, um, at least our married years, um, and I write the story in a scenario of our married years, And I always am brought back to what I've always been taught about God's plan, right? That if He told you your plan, (laughs) you would run in the opposite direction. There is absolutely no way that you would sign on for what the ultimate plan is. And what always brings that to the surface for me is if someone would have come to you um, and said, You're gonna marry a man who has four children. This is prior to KJ. <laughs> four children, four baby mamas. He's gonna find out about one, two years into your marriage. Y'all gonna have your cars repossessed. You're gonna have to move, right? He's gonna lose his job. He's gonna, like, if he said all of that stuff, he's going to pick you up out of New York. He's gonna take you with to Atlanta, with a plan, but no guarantee that that plan is actually gonna work out when he gets there, right? And so if someone would have given you that plan, would you have rejected it?
2: Oh, the four kids alone would have put you out (laughs) of the running for sure. Um, (laughs) I had this thing about not, because I don't care for drama. Mm. I never have. (laughs) Uh, and, And it stems back to my middle school years where we would be in school and once a week, we would, all of us, and I'm just for transparency, all of the black girls mm-hmm. in our school would get called down to the principal's office. And it would always be over two girls fighting over a guy. Mm. <laughs> and it just annoyed me to know, and because, hey, I have nothing to do with this. Like, I don't want to be a part of this drama, right? Right. And so I remember saying to the principal one time, like, listen, if you call me down here again, I'm going to call my mom and I'm going to tell her that you keep pulling me out of classes for this. Mm -hmm. And I never got called down to that office again, because I just hated the drama. I hated the fact that these two girls were fighting over a guy and he was, you know, he was living his best life (laughs) at the time, (laughs) but, um, so, but my dislike for drama, and then of course, you know, my childhood years where there was a lot of dysfunction in the home, just really solidified my distaste for for drama. Mm-hmm. So I always said, I don't want a baby mama in the picture, like the, the guy that I want to be with, we're going to have our first kids together, mm-hmm. right? That is not what God's plan was. Um, and you know, interestingly enough, God showed me enough of the plan, uh, to know that you were, I was supposed to marry you. Mm. Now I didn't know some of the intricacies (laughs) of what, you know, we were going to experience together, but I was very clear when God said, this is your husband. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I was like, all righty. So, all right, this is what we're going to do here. Right. And. Um and it still even took a little while for us to really get connected in in that way in terms of dating even after God showed me that you were going to be my husband um however what I do know is that uh going back to I think you said it was Maxwell about this perfection thing right because in my mind the perfection was you know um no kids you know, we're going to get married, but that also would have meant that, you know, I would have been um, virgin before I met you. And that definitely wasn't the case because I had already had Amber. Right. Mm-hmm. So perfection went out the window a long time ago. So, um, but I think that just, again, my assurance in knowing that God has had his hands in our marriage is what allowed me to move forward, knowing that you know when I met you, there was two, right, and it was like okay, so we're doing this now, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and what I will say is the blessing is that we've all been able to coexist, right. And it, again, it hasn't been perfect, right, um, but we've been able to coexist, and we've all been able to co-parent. And we all understand the big picture, right? Which is, it's about the children. It's not about us personally, it's about the children. And so there, you know, there are times when I'm sure that I have hurt feelings. I'm sure that I know that my feelings have been hurt in situations, but I always go back to, but what's the big picture,
0: Mm -hmm. right?
2: And um, if, if this is gonna impact the big picture, then I got to let this thing go. Like, it's just not worth it to hold on to stuff if it's going to hurt the big picture. It, it You know, it kind of reminds me of, like, um, when you watch on the TV shows, you have those rich families, right? And they will... They will do anything to keep the business going, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, listen, <laughs> you can go out there and do whatever it is that you're gonna do, but this business, this is a family business. Why? And so we're gonna handle the family business, mm-hmm. and we're going you know, When you get yourself together, that's fine. But up into, but what you, we cannot allow you and your shenanigans to tear down the family business. And so I think that you know when we talk about co-parenting when we talk about knowing what the plan is. The, the ultimate plan is is that you know we are all breaking generational curses the mm-hmm. ultimate plan is is that we're raising healthy functional loving um you know good citizens um you know we're we are really uh preparing the next generation to be better than what what we had and so i think that that's that's the key thing is like us making sure we're focusing on that big picture
0: mm. Yeah,
1: you know, I think the thing, when I look at our relationship over the years, the one thing that stands out for me that's been somewhat the key, um, there's a couple of keys, but one of the most um, substantial keys for me um, with you has been transparency. Like, you know, I've just, I've, for some odd reason, I've just never been scared to tell you anything. Like it doesn't, and I know I could be over transparent and it's, that's intentional, <laughs> right? It's intentional so that you know, Kenny, you ain't never gonna hear anything from anybody before Kenny done already told you, right? Even before it start, like even before whatever starts or whatever the case may be. And I think that that's an underrated uh, trait for a relationship. Cause oftentimes we'll say the word honesty but I really do believe that honesty and transparency is two different things, right? Mm -hmm. Honesty is what I tell you in the moment to be true. Transparent is to tell you what you need to know before I need to tell you something that's true, where it puts that truth in doubt, right? And so that has always been, and you and I are like, First of all, we're both Libras, we're 10 days apart, and so we got those two traits that are oftentimes good and sometimes bad, because it's two, two people that are the same in some ways, it's just not good you know, for people at all. You know, but as the, CE, as the COO, as the organization, as someone who really helps um, and leads the operation of Fathers Incorporated, because I think people look at us and they see us doing great work with people, and they have no idea like what it takes to run. I got an email from someone the other day. I haven't responded to it yet. And his comment to me was, um, I've been looking online for an organization like yours and your organization seems to fit what it is I'm trying to launch. I would love to sit down and get a couple of tips from you, you know, so I can launch an organization like yours. And my, con- and my thought is um, not to be dismissive, but at the same time, you didn't do your homework because what you're looking at is my social media posts and you're thinking that's what we are. That is the tip of the iceberg of who we are. But there's this foundational business component um, that most people don't see and I want you to speak on some of the things that you've learned and seen in that space when it comes to this work. But more specifically, because you brought up something and I'm gonna bring it up now, being in that space and being black in that space mm-hmm. and having the level of success that we've had over the almost 20 years and not being able to tell much of our success because, how, because of how that success would look to others.
2: So in regards to um, the business aspect, um, one of the things is, is that you, you tend to make things look really easy. Uh, and then you've kind of transferred that to the organization as a whole, which is now, <clears throat> excuse me, F, Fathers Incorporated makes everything look easy, right? So when people see posts on social media, um, they get this notion in their mind like, oh, I can do that, uh, that that's, that should be an easy thing because we make it look easy, right? People don't take into consideration the amount of hours that you are putting into um, the business itself in terms of, um, you know, creating products and uh, creating, you know, curriculum and and thinking about programming and how we can improve it. And um, they don't understand that there's strategic planning that goes into, you know, uh, the work that we do, that we don't just, you know, get up one morning and just start serving men. Like we actually come together, we plan for it, um, that we have contingencies in place in case this doesn't work out. And so it's just very easy from a social media post to uh, take a look at and say, oh, yeah, I I can do that. You know, let me let me pick your brain so I can I can just go ahead and launch mine. Not understanding that you bring, you know, a minimum of 20 years, which is the father's incorporated work. But let's now take into consideration the work. Um, that you did before that community work and then your marketing work and, you know, your being on the radio work and, you know, all of these things that come into play. So, you know, like 40 some odd years worth of experience and somebody sees a social media post and says, oh yeah, I can do that. (laughs) Right. Um, the other aspect of it is in terms of us being a, a black owned and black run organization is, uh. We are, we're going to be under a magnifying glass, right? Which is one of the things that I appreciated about you uh, from the very beginning, which is, you know, we got to make sure our financials are right. We got to make sure that HR is right. We've got to make sure that reporting is right. Like we've got to make sure because for us, making sure is... Uh, just the, the beginning, like, mm-hmm. right? So other people, other cultures can do kind of what we do. And, you know, they get that five-star rating right out the gate, like, oh my goodness, you know, look at how they did it. But we do it and it's like, yeah, that's good, you know? So there's that two-star rating. So we're always having to go above and beyond just to get recognized um in this field. And so, but what we can't do is we can't, ever relax and get comfortable. Like we've always got to keep that level of excellency. We've always got to raise the bar um, because we just know that, you know, the the families that we serve um, will be impacted by us lowering those standards. So it's really critical that we, you know, always bring on people on board that um, A, buy into your vision, right? And not just, buying into your vision because they can get something out of it. Like, oh, you know, well, I can do that uh, on my own, right? But really buying into the vision and then buying into the vision that you have, uh, not just for the organization, but for the people that we serve, right? And so it's important that we bring those type of people in that have bought fully in and also have a standard of excellency that we have. Like, we don't believe in taking shortcuts Mm -hmm. at all, right? Because we know that shortcuts are detrimental to the work that we do. And so there are no shortcuts. And so that means, like, you know, if we've got to work extra, then we work extra. If that means that, you know, we've got to make a few phone calls, then that's what we do. If we've got to, you know... um, improve the report right so the report could be great but then we're like no we need it needs to be better than that because you know all of this is tied into us getting funding and us having the ability to um, serve the community in which we serve and so it's really important that we surround ourselves uh, in the organization with the right people because everyone this this work is not for the mm-hmm. faint of heart everyone can't come in and do fatherhood work they just can't Um, It takes a certain type of personality um, in terms of the men that we bring on. And it takes a certain type of personality in terms of the women that we bring on. And, um, you know, we've we've had some trial and error with some folks and and we just figured, you know, like not they're not terrible people. They're just not a good fit for where we're going and what we're doing and who we Mm. are serving.
0: Yeah,
1: I like to also think that, you know, while and I love the point you made that you know we have a bunch of people, all of our people, there's not one person that is on our staff. And even of those who are not with us, at least they started out thinking that way until they had their own thing in mind that they wanted to accomplish. And that was, you know, being supportive of my vision, but the give back for me is being supportive of their visions as well and investing in people and investing in their vision and aligning visions, right? So aligning visions for me means that even if they have something else that they wanna do, they can find a way to align it within this vision of Fathers Incorporated. And so I'm always, you know, trying to see the best and pull the best out of people, right? So that they don't believe that they're leaving everything on the table at the end of the day and we're not giving anything back. That's never something that I've tried to do from the beginning of time, even prior to this, always trying to build people um, up in their spaces. You're writing a book as we close out this podcast. Talk to me a little bit about the book that you're writing. (laughs)
2: Yes. Yeah, so um, when you introduced me, you did mention that my uh, prior to me coming on with Fathers Incorporated, I was actually in the financial services field and how I landed in that field is, uh, you know, again, I can attribute this to my childhood, which is um, I grew up in a multitude of homes, starting with my mom and my dad um we were living with grandparents um and then i lived with one of my aunts um up until about i think it was like the 3rd grade um and what i had the opportunity to witness there was um entrepreneurship and so every aunt that i had had a business whether it was a hair salon a restaurant um, they were, uh, you know, forward thinking entrepreneurs and, um, you know, you don't know this as a child, but that impacted like, uh, my, my idea about, um, becoming an mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Right. But then growing, going back to go live with my mom, which unfortunately we just didn't have a lot of money. So we, we were really, so interestingly enough, we lived in a beautiful home,
0: but mm-hmm. in poverty. Uh-huh.
2: Right uh, the family, she, her, and uh, she didn't own the home. It was a a family member that allowed, uh, them -hmm. to stay there. Um, and then going into foster care, uh, which put me into homes that had a little bit more money, but from each home that I lived in, I watched people deal with money in different ways, right? Whether it was really good, um, very bad uh dysfunctional um, whether it was um, you know just uh, very intuitive with investing or how to handle money I got a I got a a, a plethora of um, experiences with people and mm-hmm. money so um fast forward I, because I remember as a child my the last mother the last foster mother that I had, um, Agnes Dozier said to me, Make sure that you always save for a mm. rainy day. Now, the reason why that's really uh interesting is because that's something that she did not do. <laughs> but she was imparting that wisdom mm-hmm. onto me because what she was saying is like you never know when something's going to go amiss. And so I want you. Don't do as I do, do as I say. And so her thing always was, I remember her taking me to the bank to open up a savings account uh, because I had gotten my my first job, uh, which was hilarious because I got a job so that I could get out out of being Mm. on punishment. Um, So I got my job and I wanted to put money in a bank account and I was able to help out in the household. Well, specifically her because she would, dad would take care of the household, but she had a a shopping Mm. habit, right? And what she did was unbeknownst to her was she was teaching me how not to deal with money. Because again, remember, I told you earlier that I felt like God has always given me this wisdom to kind of take a step back and learn lessons from people and see kind of what I wanted to do versus what I did not want to do. And what I learned from her was, you know, um, she would go out shopping. She had the hat. She had the matching shoes, the the, the suits. I mean, she would go to church dressed to the help, but then the lights would get cut off, right? And so what I learned was that was not proper financial management. So fast forward, um, I have at the time a two-year-old daughter, I'm watching TV and I see a commercial comes on, or yeah, it's the news. And these people are shouting and yelling and screaming and it looks super exciting. And it's the stock market because the stock market is like doing really, really well. And I begin to think to myself, I, I want to be that happy. Like, I want to learn about how to make money. These people are happy, like they're excited. They've, they've made a lot of money. And that took me to uh, beginning to do my research on financial um, literacy And then I began working for, um, I worked for Merrill Lynch and then I worked for Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, and then I worked for William Tell Financial. And then I also ran a, uh, the Albany credit union for a little bit. And so all of those experiences really, um, fanned the fire for me in terms of wanting to teach financial literacy, because, um, I remember that that one thing that my mom told me about, which was save for a rainy day. She couldn't give me any other information. She couldn't tell me how to invest. She couldn't tell me about owning real estate. She couldn't tell me about, um, staying out of debt, the proper way to use credit cards. Like she didn't have that to give to me. So the only thing that she could give to me was save for a rainy day. And so that really, um, in that moment when I was watching that um, interaction on television, really uh, just made me want to learn about financial literacy. And so, although now, um, you know, all these years later, I'm still interested in financial literacy, but just from a different perspective, right? And so, um, I've been able to put something together for the dads at Fathers Incorporated to, you know, to teach our fathers about, you know, how to manage money. Uh, And so my next step now is um, to write this book and the book. um, It's going to be, I'm not going to give all the specific details, but it's going to be a 40 day journey. Uh, And that 40 days was inspired um, from a spiritual perspective, which is um, in, if you read the Bible, things that happened significantly happened Typically within forty days, right. So if you look at, um, it rained for forty days and forty nights. That's Noah's Ark, right? Um, Jesus went up to the mountain, uh, and and fasted for forty and fasted and prayed for forty days and forty nights. Um, and so, really, what I want to do is begin to help people uh, begin their financial literacy journey and do it within a forty day, forty night uh, period. Uh, And ultimately, um, it's going to touch upon a little bit of everything, which is, you know, how to manage your money properly through budgeting, how to invest, how to build a business, um, how to get out of debt, how to stay out of debt, how to manage credit cards. Um, And so the goal is to really touch upon uh, about 40 areas of financial literacy so that hopefully I can jumpstart in someone else. Uh, the opportunity to say like, hey, I don't want to keep living in poverty, right? Because at that time that I saw that interaction on the news, um, I was in debt. Uh, I was a single mom. And uh, thankfully, you know, I, I had that epiphany in that moment that said it's time to do better because I had seen better. I had seen worse, But I had also seen better and I also knew what I had said to myself, which was this isn't the life that I'm going to live. Right. I always said as a young girl, I told my mom I don't I told one of my aunts uh, about my mom standing in the welfare line that I never wanted to be on welfare. And at that point, I had been on welfare like I had a small, short period of time where I had to go apply for like food stamps and rental assistance. And I was like, this is not. This is not what you dreamed about. And so what I want to do is take people who feel like, um, you know, they may be stuck because that's the family that they were born into. I really want to inspire them with this book to say, you know what? I can do better. And there are resources out there that can help me do better. And so I want that book to serve as that catalyst. Okay.
1: All right. So... Tracy Braswell did a good job, ma'am. Thank thank you you so much uh, for joining us on this, not the last, I think it's the next to last show in 2023. And so we got a lot of, as Mr. T would say, got a lot of mo for you um, next year. Um, But for you, particularly, um, as the old saints would say, I've had some good days i've had some hills to climb i've had some weary days and some sleepless nights but when i look around and think all the things over all of my good days outweigh the bads and because of you i don't complain i may vent Aww. i may vent <laughs> but i don't complain there's a difference between <laughs> venting and complaining right And Mm -hmm. so appreciate every fiber of your being for everything that you are to me and everything that you've been to me and everything that you will be to me and helping me build this vision that God planted in me some 20 years ago. Um, And the work and the lives that we've been able to touch across the board, we touched just a small element of our interaction uh, within Fathers Incorporated and some of the other untold stories of, you know, what has built Fathers Incorporated and what has made it what it is. Then talk nearly enough about our children and the experiences that we're going through as parents right now. Um, and they're all good days, right? All the things are the things that we wanted and we look for um, in our children. We just have some awesome, awesome children. Um, God has blessed us with respect to the children that He's planted in our lives. So thank you for spending time with I Am Dad Podcast. I appreciate you.
2: I appreciate you. Love you Love more. You.
1: And everybody else who has um, <laughs> listened to and watching, I Am Dad podcast. Again, I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Um, you know how I like to leave you. Always be kind to others as you're kind to yourself, or you might find yourself by yourself. Always shoot high for your goals, because even if you miss, you'll be amongst the stars. And as my good friend, you'll be amongst the stars. And as my good friend and my great friend, Art Mitchell, And John Harris used to always say to me, it's nice to be important, but you know what? It's much more important to be nice. Till next Sunday, peace out.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IAmDadPodcast.com. That's IAmDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child i spoke as a child i understood as a child i thought as a child but when i became a man i put away childish things because of this reminder i will always understand that i am dad period